Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in, everybody. Believe in betting LA episode six. We've got a real live. NFL football game. We're going to break down a little bit later here. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Leward of SAG Capital. How are you doing on this Monday evening, Chris? Couldn't be better. Just really, really great. Actually, no, I could be better, and we're going to get to it later. I'm furious at the Angels. <laughs> we're turning the corner. We're no longer you know, discussing, breaking down the SBs. We're no longer, uh, I mean, we will be doing a lot more NFL futures and uh, NBA futures, and, and we're always going to talk baseball betting, but Man, it is good to see there is an NFL game on the schedule later this week. That's the Hall of Fame game between the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons. So let's uh, let's hold that off to the end, save the best for last. Welcome in to episode six of Believe in Betting LA. If you enjoyed this podcast, even just a smidge, if you could throw us a subscription, a five-star rating, that does a lot of good for young, fresh podcasts like this one. Of course, we're on the Believe Podcast Network. If you couldn't get that from our title, Believe in Betting LA, we talk about the LA teams. Of course, we're going to talk about betting uh, nationally as well and how it pertains to the local teams here. And we are available wherever you choose to get your podcast from, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And of course, you can find all of the great Believe podcasts uh, at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. At Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at smaxwell713. Find Chris at Lou Mandingo Rock and the folks at Stag Capital at Stag Cap. It's probably the easiest of all of our Twitter handles is Stag Cap. Thank you guys for uh, making that one simplified. Let's start right with it there. I know you said you were frustrated by the Angels. I don't think there's a team that's more difficult to figure out in all of professional sports right now than the Angels. They're hot and they're cold and they're hot and they're cold. We were looking about uh, this that four-game series this weekend with the Orioles, a chance potentially as a four-game sweep. Certainly a strong bet as a favorite in all four games. They nearly got swept in that against the Orioles, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in all of baseball. It took a walk-off home run by rookie Matt Theis yesterday to avoid a four-game sweep. He actually had two home runs uh, in that game. So they're starting a three-game series tonight in Anaheim against the Tigers. Give me your thoughts on the Angels as a whole. Are you betting them? Are you staying away? What's your strategy here, Chris? Reluctantly betting them. Uh, bet them all weekend. Lost all weekend, uh, predictably. And normally that's not something. The, the Orioles are so bad that even Stag Capital, which traditionally will bet the Orioles left, right, and center all year long, had the Angels. That's what a mismatch it was. And, I mean, yet... Honestly, I think after those games, you know, the, the pregame speech tonight against the Tigers should really just be like, guys, have some pride. I mean, the Orioles are basically a triple-A baseball team. They stink. Uh, definitely should have won three or four games without really even trying. Uh, very frustrating all weekend to have money down on the Angels and feel good about it, right? Like a pretty good team, supposedly, playing the absolute worst team 
uh, and just gut wrenching. You know, I always say that's the position you like to be in when you're betting, but when you just lay an egg like that is so so frustrating and uh that's the sort of thing that gets me to stand up and 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 turn off the tv but uh predictably we are right back on the angels again tonight uh got them both uh on the alternate line with plus one half i got that at minus 380 and i've got the angels at minus two and a half plus 120 so you know right back on them um They'll probably sweep the Tigers, right? That's probably what will happen, because why not? Why wouldn't they? This team has been remarkably streaky. I mean, just looking at their second-half schedule, they won five straight. They lost three straight. They won four straight. They lost three straight. Now, of course, they're riding a one-game winning streak. So going based off that trend, I think you're right. They're going to sweep the Tigers. We'll see. Yeah, roller coaster of emotions apparently in the Lager, uh, Angel locker room, which we did talk a little bit about with the with the Skags thing, and maybe that's mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's what you're seeing is a team that's just uh, acting a little schizophrenic because their emotions are all over the place. And I think it's going to be very difficult for the Angels over the next couple of days to decide: are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? Are they going to stand pat? Of course, the non-waiver trade deadline for Major League Baseball is this Wednesday, July 31st. So we're going to see a lot of fireworks here over the next couple of days. We'll see if the Angels get themselves involved here. So you like the Angels tonight. We're recording this uh, about 6.30 on Monday evening. So by the time you hear this, it's going to be too late to bet the Angels tonight. Uh, any strong opinions for the next two nights against the Tigers? Uh, again, we'll have to see where the, the lines come out. But I would bet we'll be riding the Angels the whole time. I think uh, given how awful, awful, awful the Angels looked against the Orioles, you're going to see the betting public staying away from the Angel. Uh, they're going to be all over the Tigers, would be my guess. And that's another situation where uh, check out first halves. Uh, keep an eye on first halves. You can get some good value there. Uh, often find myself in a middle in that situation, right, where I'll take something like the Tigers in the first half of the game but then have the Angels overall, uh, which makes for an exciting – that's one of those that you watch all nine innings. So don't forget to check out those first half lines. Often can have some great value, especially a team coming off getting their brains beat in by the lowly, lowly Orioles. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. Triple A team uh, is is about uh, the truest thing you've ever said in this podcast for the Orioles. Yep. Let's switch gears here. Let's move on to the NL, where the Dodgers are coming off of a uh, nearly a sweep of the Nationals. They got clobbered yesterday, eleven to four, but they did win Friday. They did win Saturday in our nation's capital against Washington. They are currently in Colorado, where they're playing the Rockies. Of course, last time they're in Colorado, uh, they played some very very high scoring games. Uh, Kenta Maeda going tonight. Uh, and then uh, we have Ryu on Wednesday. Ryu, by far, his worst start of the season uh, was against the Rockies last time they were in Denver. Um, different type of strategy here, different type of numbers. I'm sure these, these over-unders are a lot higher. Um, are, you, are you betting against the public and taking these unders? Tell me your strategy here, specifically when it comes to playing at a juice of ballpark like Coors Field. Yeah, I would I would look heavily at your unders. Uh, again, first half, check those out. I think you'll probably actually see better value on a first half under than you will on a game under. Uh, tonight, actually, I have the Rockies. So I took the Rockies again on an alt line, uh, minus one half, which seems a little bit crazy. But as we speak, Colorado is up one nothing uh, going into the top of the third. So that's looking much better. And that's just a pure price play. It was just uh, too too hard to ignore at plus 230. Uh, to get our money down on that. So we've got the Rockies, but uh, definitely, I think you said it, um, Sam, is that 
take a look at those unders. Uh, people, Coors Field, Hop Howard, Dodger offense. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the public money is going to be getting down on those overs. So uh, get excited when you get to bet the under and watch Cody Bellinger take uh, at bats in Coors Field with the bases juiced. That'll, that'll that'll get your blood going. Yeah, that's a that's a real great great side to be rooting for. Certainly to to root against those type of things. Uh, and tomorrow, the Dodgers are actually throwing a rookie, Tony Gonsolin, is making his second career start tomorrow. His first career start uh, was in Arizona earlier this year in June. He gave up four runs and four innings pitched, gave up a home run, gave up six hits. Uh, it was actually six runs, but only four earned. So I, I imagine tomorrow is an even better opportunity to bet unders. You have a pitcher that no one's heard of. Uh, you're in Coors Field. You have two of the best offenses in the league. Uh, so you're betting unders throughout this, this entire three-game series. Yeah, and that's right. You get a rookie borderline, you know, rookie pitcher going, only made a couple starts. Uh, that's the sort of thing that you can actually watch that guy throw like eight innings of two-hit baseball, right? Just because the hitters haven't seen him. The book isn't out on him yet. Exactly. Uh, they don't know what his stuff looks like. They're not used to him. They're trying to pick it up quick in the game, and uh, that could easily be be one of those uh, mild shockers where you're like, wow, this guy's only given up two hits over six innings or something like that. So, yeah, keep a good eye on those unders. You can get really good value in those situations. Okay, so just a quick recap for Chris's strategy uh, to betting baseball, at least this, this first year, it's about the Angels Dodgers. He likes the Angels to bounce back, take a look at those off lines, uh, and, and, and believe in the Angels for now. There's only so many times you can keep saying this. And then the Dodgers in, uh, be careful with betting the Dodgers here in Colorado. It's a tricky place to play. Be careful, especially when it comes to, to narrow run lines, because these games are never, ever over in Coorsville, especially live betting. Be very, very careful. And then take his advice and start sweeping these unders as, as the public, generally speaking, uh, is going to take the over in a place like Coors Field. All right, let's move on. Let's talk some football here before we dive in and we talk about the NFL. Let's talk about college football, specifically on the West Coast here, the Pac-12, Reigns Supreme. We talked about UCLA and USC a couple episodes ago, if you if you uh, want our thoughts in there. Their season total unders, over unders, uh, UCLA 5.5, SC 7. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. But what we're going to talk about specifically here is the Pac-12 announcing that they're going to look into and potentially even do uh, some 9 a.m. start times. That's, of course, the first block. You'll see SEC games. You'll see Big Ten games. You'll see ACC games, a number of other smaller conferences. Pac-12 generally doesn't start until about 1230. There's the afternoon slot and then, of course, the evening and then the very late evening, the Pac-12 after dark. I feel like we always see Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, or Washington State. There's definitely a road game in, in one of those three places every single week, along with maybe that Hawaii home game. So first, let's talk about, Chris, if whether or not we think this is a good idea for the league. And the reason why they're doing this, obviously, is for exposure. I think they're going to drive more eyeballs. Not that many people are watching college football at you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night on the East Coast. That was when those games are starting here uh, on the West Coast. So that, that's really the reason why they're doing it. Give me your thoughts on this. Then let's talk about how this is going to impact betting the lines with the Pac-12, those early games. Yeah, they appear to just be trying to make kind of a, a shock play, is, is my opinion. Because, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm an SEC fan, I'm probably going to watch a Tennessee-Kentucky game over anything in the Pac-12. Because I'm an SEC fan and I'm insane and I'd, I'd watch anything if the SEC brand is on it, right? Big Ten is lesser but similar, right? Guys, Big Ten fans, Midwest fans are going to watch that Iowa-Penn State game if it's early in the morning versus a Pac-12 game. I think they're playing the novelty play, right? People who don't have a severe rooting interest on the East Coast or the Midwest, 
hey, I can watch Utah play. Like, I don't even know that Utah plays. I don't know who's on that team. And that could be, you know, they've got a pretty darn good defense, right? Maybe you can generate some excitement that way. I think you're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle and get kind of a an instant classic game if you have a, a Utah-Stanford or a Utah-Colorado something early 9 a.m. game and, and hope that you capture the hearts and minds and get in that early news cycle, right? So that through the rest of the day, ESPN is talking about the game that you just played and uh, especially the first couple ones. Oh, another 9 a.m. Pac-12 game. Um, novelty more than anything, but I get why they're trying to do it. It's just uh, the Pac-12 is, in my experience, a little bit of an afterthought everywhere else in the country. Um, just nobody really asks a lot about it. All of my friends call Oregon or Oregon. Think, oh, yeah, I have this as well. But, but don't you think it's more of a product of the success or the lack thereof of these teams? And look, we live in the West Coast. The timing is always going to be a little bit differently here. I'm not convinced that starting these games earlier is going to add any extra eyeballs to these games. Uh, I think that's the point that you're making as well. Um, I, I understand why they're trying to do this, but I, I don't think that they're an afterthought because they're playing late at night. I think they're an afterthought because right now these teams aren't as powerful and aren't as successful as some of these other conferences. What are your thoughts on that? Right, definitely. It's it's more a product on the field than it is than it is anything else. And I, you know, I think that they need to capture the zeitgeist, right? They need the talking national talking heads to be talking about their players, even if the teams aren't good, right? They need to be definitely. talking about a Heisman hopeful. They need to be talking about, you know, a interception return. And because so many of the games happen so late in the evening, the next morning they're already on to the next thing. They're on to the NFL or they're on to the premium NCAA matchup next week, right? And talking about that game that occurred at 11:30 p.m. Eastern is just not part of the news cycle, uh, especially with the soundbite kind of news that we have now. It, it doesn't sure, really capture sure. the capture the attention. But yeah, to boil it down, we're we're both on the same page here. It's it's the quality of play. Um, the Pac-12 needs more than just a really good SC team every three or four years. They need more than a really good Oregon team every three or four years, and they need more than one Heisman hope, hopeful every three or four years to kind of capture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attention of the rest of the country and you know whether this is the right decision or not I don't know but I, I will at least tip my cap to them and say that they're trying something and now people they are, are being about. creative and you know Larry Scott for as much uh, you know chagrin as, as much uh, a negative criticism that he's received over the years and obviously it's a declining product uh, financially it's not nearly in the same uh, atmosphere as some of these other um, you know college conferences are um, they are trying they've had discussions with Fox about it and to be fair, it's not unanimous that they think it's a bad idea. Some coaches, such as Mel Tucker of Colorado, Chip Kelly of UCLA, Kyle Whittingham of Utah, actually uh, expressed some interest in this plan. And, and I think a lot of these coaches want maybe one or two, maybe three of these games per year. They're still going to want the Pac-12 after dark. They're still going to want that second and third afternoon slot. Um, but it's interesting. You potentially have Pac-12 games on you know, in four, even five different time slots if you include some of the Thursday and Friday night stuff. Um, but yes, very quickly, the, the Pac-12 is, is, is trending towards a MAC level type conference. I think that's what they're trying to reverse right now, trying to maintain uh, a seat at the table with the big boys. We'll see if it works. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, but let's talk about how we're going to bet these games, and especially, you know, without any sort of precedent. Uh, in, and I imagine these are going to be for conference games because you're getting giving, you know, a huge advantage if you're playing a non-conference game against these. Even, you know, we have only two time zones in – uh, the Pac-12, but you know, you bring Colorado out, you bring Utah out. Uh, these are an hour ahead of us, and they're going to come out here. They're going to be that much more prepared. I think uh, the, these crowds are not going to be nearly. I mean, can you imagine a game 
in Tempe at 9 a.m. with yep. probably 10% of the student body in the stands. I mean, look, I went to the University of Wisconsin. We know how to get up and get going. And that student section is about 40% full at, at kickoff. And they have 11 o'clock games. That's two hours later. This happens several times a year. It is a problem throughout college football. I think, honestly, the biggest factor of this, and you can tell me your opinion as well, uh, is going to be first quarter unders. I think that's going to be a huge way to do this because teams are going to come out flat. I also think that home field advantage, which is generally speaking worth uh, anywhere from you know four to six points, maybe even up to a touchdown in certain cases, that's not going to be worth nearly as much. I think we have to keep both those things in mind when betting these 9 o'clock games. Yeah, and I actually think the gambling public at large is probably not going to like these 9 a.m. games because they've already got plenty of games to bet on, and now they're just going to lose another one or two games uh, that they can chase You know, if they've had a losing day. They're not going to be able to get that next 100 bucks down on, on the Hawaii kickoff at, at 10 p.m. Eastern, right? Well, hey, no one said anything about why not starting late. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but getting getting those late games in, I know uh, I know definitely uh, growing up that you'd always be like, oh, day's over. And, oh, wait. Like, yeah, exactly. Arizona, Arizona State is playing? Like, yes, I can bet another 50 All bucks. Right. <laughs> uh, so I think the, the public's not going to love it. Uh, but you're right. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get the students out. Uh, you're definitely going to curb probably drinking. Um, because nobody's going to be out there that early. So you're going to wake up, and the game's going to be over. <laughs> yep, game, game will be over. They'll be ready for the post game immediately. Uh, but you know what? That's it just, and I think the NFL battles this a little bit too, is not really about the in-stadium experience anymore, right? TV quadruples it. It's it's just that's what that's what matters now. It's those advertising dollars. It's getting it on TV. It's, you know, getting a – uh, a quick bite on on the highlight show. That's what you really care about. That's what drives the you know attendance to to go to watch the Pac-12 network or just get interest in your in your uh, conference more more so than than getting students there. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out from a TV production standpoint, right? Are they going to be showing those wide-angle shots with you know uh, five thousand mm-hmm. people there at nine a.m.? Uh, should be should be pretty interesting. Yeah, it'll be a very interesting thing to happen. Um, We'll talk about these games as they as they come up, if they do come up, if they're actually agreed to. But, uh, yeah, I think those 9 o'clock games, I'm definitely going to be taking the first quarter and first half unders. I'm going to be betting on some underdogs. I'm going to be betting on a lot of road teams as well, especially uh, if, if this holds true. I think it will. Uh, betting on those Utahs, betting on those Colorados that have the extra hour in their body uh, of, of rest and are, are a little bit more prepared for those early start times. Let's transition from college to the NFL. We're going to give our brief thoughts on the current Melvin Gordon situation, the latest of that negotiation between the team and him. He is still not showing up to practice. The latest reports from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports have it. Uh, the team and Melvin Gordon are about 2 to $3 million per year apart. Uh, it basically is, you know, no one's going to touch that top girly kind of upper echelon unicorn type of running back. But what Melvin Gordon's wanting is that David Johnson $13 million a year kind of contract where – uh, the team wants to pay more like the Devonta Freeman contract, which is in the eight to nine million dollar range. So they're you know about three to four million dollars apart. It may not seem like much, but it is a lot. Uh, I think these two sides are close enough, Chris, that they are going to get something done here. Uh, but speculation is starting to build. This could certainly go into the season. I do not see Melvin Gordon missing the entire year, like Le'Veon Bell this year, as we discussed ad nauseum. He does not have the same leverage. He's a little bit older. He has a full extra year left. He's not on the franchise tag. I don't see him doing that. I don't think he wants to miss these game checks. Uh, That being said, this is still going. We're nearly into August. We're starting to play preseason games. It's now starting to be time to to pay attention to these things. 
Yeah, I think it's the dance, right? It's the contract dance. I think there's also a little more than money to it sometimes. Uh, you know, Melvin certainly would probably want another $2 million, but if they came up another 500 k would he take it? Maybe. And then at that point, it's uh, you say, well, maybe I don't want to sign right away, right? Like, I'm, I've been in the league long enough. I've been in the league a couple of years. I don't need to go to camp. I'd rather miss those practices. I'd rather not be a part of those two-a-days. Um, I'd rather get some extra rest. And I think that's the sort of thing that they're really thinking about. Well, you know, Le'Veon an outlier, but is missing two or three or four games actually going to be better for my career? Is that going to extend my career? Um, it's an easy excuse why not play, why I'm not playing, right? Is I've got a contract dispute going. I don't think Melvin's going to take it that far. Uh, I would guess that he'll show up, you know, 10 days before the season starts or something like that. It's the, it's the same coach. It's the same offense. He knows what he's doing. Um, he'll take his R&R as long as he can get it, I think. Yeah, and look, Melvin has not been able to play late in seasons the last couple of years. So if he misses a couple games and ends up playing a full year, it's, it's basically a wash for the team. But it'll be really interesting. I, I don't like again. I, I, you know, he he loses thirty k uh, each day. He doesn't show up to training camps at thirty thousand dollar fine. You know, to you and I, that is a lot of money. To him, it's not necessarily that much money, especially if you can get another new contract. However, the game paychecks are. Very large. He's not going to want to miss too many of those. When your injuries still get paid, when you're holding out, you're not getting paid. So I don't think these two teams are, are too far apart. I do think we're going to get something done here. But uh, it is important to know the longer this goes on, the more likely it is that it obviously leads into the season. The Chargers are still in good hands. Austin Eckler was tied for fifth last year in yards per carry in the NFL at 5.2. And Justin Jackson had a great start, if you guys remember, in that upset win uh, at Kansas City late in the season. But they want to get their all-star running back in there. They want to get... Uh, you know, the full complement of players in there, they're, they're certainly a Super Bowl contending team, and that's how these type of franchises should and will operate. Yeah, now, actually, let's say, uh, quick, go ahead. quick, Sam, a fun thing I learned last year with Le'Veon Bell, and I think this is true, is those uh, fines that they get for missing camp, those $30,000 a day, as they add up, that ends up being part of the negotiation where the agent says, all right, listen, he's going to come up to the contract, you know, that that 250000 he owes in fines or whatever, like you're going to wash those away. Right. Uh, and the team reneges on him, right? So that's that's okay. part of the dance too. Um, although I would like to see, see a team one time say like, no, here's your, <laughs> here, here's your new contract. By the way, you still owe us $400,000. Uh, for the time you missed. But, it, it's um, also important to mention here that that if Melvin Gordon does happen to sit out the entire year like Le'Veon Bell, he's still going to be under contract. He's still going to be part of that fifth-year option under his rookie contract. It doesn't go away. So he has to play this year in order to accrue that year, in order to become a free agent, which is his long-term goal if he does not receive this deal. Uh, so it's very tricky. So just keep that in mind. Melvin Gordon does not have nearly the same amount of leverage, but but he has quite a bit of leverage. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But that, that's some good knowledge you just dropped there. As well, let's stay in the AFC West in division. Let's talk about it. The first game breakdown of the year—that's the Hall of Fame game. That's going to be in Canton, Ohio, this Thursday, August first. It's a five o'clock kickoff Pacific, uh, and that's again going to be—I think it's on NFL Network. The Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio, first-year head coach, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. We're not going to see Matt Ryan. We're not going to see Devonta Freeman. We're not going to see Von Miller. We're not going to see Julio Jones. We're not going to see Alex Mack. None of those guys are going to play. You're going to—you're going to. Recognize a few of these names based on betting in preseason the last several years. Fantasy football going very, very deep. Some of these guys are going to be big college names here. This opened up at a pick 'em. I saw it swing towards the Falcons at minus two, as we were discussing before this podcast. It's settled right now uh, at the Broncos minus two and a half. The over-unders at 34. Broncos are minus 145 money line. The Falcons are plus 125 here. 
What are your thoughts? If you have any strong opinions, uh, we finally have a game to talk about here. How are you and the boys at Stat Capital batting this one? Yes, I can actually talk about live lines that we're looking at that people can act on. Uh, so what I'm looking at right now is I see the game at minus two half, plus two half. Uh, I think that's going to move to three, and I only think that because somebody's going to wake up on Thursday morning and the national media will be talking about a football game is happening and people are going to freak out and just start betting like crazy because, oh, my God, football, I have to bet. So if you can get better than minus 115 on the Broncos, better than even money on the Falcons, and when I say better, I'm thinking like, so right now I've seen Falcons plus two half, uh, even money look for plus 110, right? That's what I say when I say better, is you want to get about 10 points better on that than, than you could otherwise uh, find. And that's something that would be offsides. That's something that Stag Capital would probably jump on as you get further and further away from what we kind of say that the fair market prices kind of drives how we bet. Money line, Broncos minus 145, Falcons plus 126. Uh, Over-unders 34. Traditionally, these things go under. Um because offenses are always behind the defenses at this point, and that exactly. over overs Some minus people are installing new offenses. I mean, both yep. these teams have new offensive coordinator now. For the Falcons, it's important to note Dirk Cutter has been there in the past, so it's a little bit more familiar. The Broncos are bringing in a brand new coaching staff, a brand new offensive coordinator, um, and so you're absolutely right. Generally speaking, this time of year, the offenses are light years behind the defenses, which is why uh, this over under is so low, thirty four. I mean, at first glance, it's, that would be one of the lowest in the entire season, basically. But uh, it's a good point that you mentioned. The field is not going to be fast. None of these starters are going to be playing. Uh, and looking at the Hall of Fame game for the past nine years, oh, he didn't play it in 2016. That game got canceled. But since 2010, uh, there's only two games that would have gone over this total. That was in 2017. That was a 38-point total. In 2013, it was a 44-point total. Um, so if you're playing the odds, you still take the under here. It may be a minuscule number. Uh, but that's certainly on your side if you're taking the under here, especially if that gets sped up even a little bit more, which as the public gets closer and closer, I think we will see that get bet up a little bit as well. Yeah, and that's, uh, incidentally, the price is better on the under. So I'm looking at minus 110 for the over. I'm seeing minus 106 on the under. Let's, let's try uh, it back. Then. Yeah, yeah not, not significant. But if you could get even money on an under, like that'd be pretty great. Um, be happy with that if you can get it. Uh, but yeah, this is just... Only real football in the sense that they will play four quarters and play with a football, and there will be a quarterback <laughs> out there. Otherwise, hey, we, we don't know they're going to play four quarters. <laughs> yeah, maybe they might call it. That's true. Uh, but then you definitely can take the under. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if anybody is scouting scouting Bronco or Falcon camp, now is your time to shine with your knowledge of the the four string grocery baggers. Uh, get all over it. Make make tons of money. Uh, tweet at us and let us know uh, who to look for and who to watch. If you're an expert on either the Broncos or the Falcons right now, and, and I am a big Bronco fan, but I can certainly not say <laughs> I'm an expert right now on this team, uh, we do know that the Broncos will be led by first-year head coach Vic Fangio. Generally speaking, these first-year head coaches take the preseason more seriously, as they probably should. Vic Fangio came out. He banned music from practice. Um, he has not been there. This is his first you know, uh, time as a head coach. It's a little bit different. Uh, with, with the Falcons, obviously, Dan Quinn's been there for a number of years. Um, and it's important to note that under Dan Quinn, the Falcons have had dreadful success in the preseason. They went 0-4 last year. In his four years as head coach, they are 4-12 in exhibition games, 0-4 last year. They scored a total of 27 points last year in four games, including a goose egg in their opener. So I'm taking the Broncos here, even though they've, they've maintained the favorite, even if they go up to three I'm going to bet them that I think this game is going to be more important for them. They're starting Kevin Hogan 
Uh, at quarterback, if you remember him from Stanford, he has made several appearances with the Browns. He's actually winless uh, as a quarterback in the NFL in the regular season. But last year for the Redskins, he was actually not bad as a player in the preseason. 43 of 67 for 462 yards, five touchdowns, and two picks. So, you know, Kevin Hogan's pretty good there. If you're betting on the Falcons, you want rookie true lock in the game as soon as possible. This guy reports are that he is nowhere near ready to be a quarterback. He's got the tools. I found him to be very, very overrated at Missouri, and he was terrible when they played a team with a pulse. Uh, and then the third stringer, Brett Rippin from Boise State. So you're looking, if you're betting the Broncos, for Kevin Hogan to stay in there for at least the first several drives, maybe in the whole first half, because as soon as Drew Locke gets in there, uh, it's over. But I do think here, you bet the under, and look for that second half under when we see Drew Locke up against these various Falcon players. Uh, so that's my handicap on this game here. Dan Quinn, not going to take it seriously. Bet the under, his teams do not do well. The Broncos actually did score 25 points per exhibition game a season ago. Different coaching staff, different quarterback. I don't think you take that seriously. I like the under. I like the Broncos. And I'm looking to slam the second half under as well. Yeah, I think Vic Fangio, former Bear defensive coordinator and borderline hero in the city of Chicago for being the D.C. amongst great defenses. Um, that practically makes you a saint in the city. Could definitely see him coming out firing, right? That's one of those things that, that seems almost automatic as the first-year head coach, the guy who bans music, who's no-nonsense, you know, is probably giving this is a this is a business trip speech uh, before the game <laughs> that they need to go out there and really play hard and reminding the players they're playing for their jobs and things like that and, and watch the Broncos come out and uh, play all their starters and completely shock the world. But, well, no, they already I, announced that Kevin Hogan's starting. We, we, we will not <laughs> see Joe Blacko play, and that's probably for the best. Yeah, uh, but that's yeah. I think uh, I think you're probably right. I think the Broncos are gonna are gonna play like it's a serious game, and I think Dan Quinn will be sitting on a lawn chair uh, reading a magazine. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think a team like that, a team like the Falcons with a lot of veterans, could could care less about this game. And, and look, I love the Falcons here. If you guys listen to Lay the Juice, Darren Sinai, uh, back in April, we did an NFL Futures uh, podcast. Maybe it was May, and and. My best bet of the entire year was Falcons to win the Super Bowl. I saw it at 24-1 to the other day. I think you're going to get even a better line than that. This is a team that's ripe for a bounce back. They're going to be healthy on defense. I love this team's schedule. They do not play outside at all. I think they play two or three outside games all season. They, they are an excellent team. I think they're going to win this division. I think they are an excellent pick to win the NFC, to win the Super Bowl. However... This game is not going to be important to the Falcons. It's going to be a lot more important for the Broncos. One more thing I think is important for the betting public to keep in mind here, or at least our, our, our viewers, our listeners, to keep in mind here. Generally speaking, as you know, Chris, uh, you know, minus six and a half, minus two and a half, these are very common uh, lines. And, and there's a reason for that, obviously, as you can probably explain a little better than me, that these uh, odds makers put those lines there because they want to uh, trap a bunch of their, uh, you know, as we saw with the American football, uh, American alliance of football, um, you know, it doesn't matter as much anymore. You know, a, a, you know there's not going to be a three-point win. There's probably not going to be a two-point win. These teams are not going to go for ties. They're going to go for the win. So if you have a 17-16 game, that team's obviously going to go for two-point conversion. Uh, and so, it, you know, you're not going to see a game-winning field goal very likely. You're going to see teams go for the end zone. Um, so it's a little misleading. It's a hook, I think, at two and a half. If it goes to the three, it's even more of a hook. I would recommend taking the money line here just so you're not upset on Thursday night. Yeah, something to keep in mind that's that's kind of betting 101 on football is any time you can cross a 3, a 7, or a 10, that half point, 3.5 is miles better than 3. Uh, 7.5 is miles better than 7. 
10 half miles better than 10. That half point is so, so important uh, to avoid pushes. So keep that in mind when you're looking at a line. If you're thinking, oh, this is three or this is three and a half, it's not a big deal depending on which side you're taking. It is really a big deal. Definitely shop around for that half point. You want it desperately. You, you uh, can buy that half point too. I mean, that, that's a good thing to, a good, good piece of advice. Yeah. So keep, keep an eye out for that half point, uh, shop for your price. And it's like playing blackjack. If you can get a table that, that pays a three to two, if you can get a table that doesn't uh, hit on soft 17, that gives you a big advantage as a player. Same thing in sports betting, take it every time you can get it. You want every single advantage. So, so do you think that if you believe in the Broncos, you should take it right now at minus two and a half? Yeah, if you're a big Broncos fan, it, it, again, it just comes down to the price that you want to get. But yeah, if you're looking for a reason to bet on the Broncos, I think the game will move to three. Yeah, grab it at two half for sure and uh, and enjoy it, right? It's a, it's a preseason Hall of Fame game early in the year on probably a terrible field. So uh, yeah, take take that advantage. Talk yourself into it. Feel great about it. All right. Well, I'm very public on the Broncos, on the under. What's your public pick here, Chris? Just give it to me here. Stream of consciousness. What would I bet? Yes, I would bet what you just said. What is Stag Capital probably going to bet? We'll inevitably take the uh, we'll take the over and we'll take the Falcons on the money line. We'll almost uh, certainly be, well, we'll certainly take, be the way we end up the betting. Over. You're allergic to public bets, I thought. That's yeah, we are allergic to public bets. So that's we'll we'll do we'll do what nobody else should do. Uh, but that's uh, let's keep an eye on this. We're going to report back next time. Uh, we're going to see what Stag Capital ended up betting. Uh, that's my first gut reaction looking at it, but I will, I will report back on what we do as we get to that game on Thursday. Can't wait, baby! Preseason NFL is here. We're betting on this game. I love doing some preseason DFS as well, which we'll probably get our first slate here uh, coming up next weekend when the rest of the league catches up to both the Broncos and Falcons. Any final thoughts here? Episode six to believe in betting LA. Ah, uh, can you smell it? smells like apple cider and donuts <laughs> and leaves. It's it's my favorite time of the year. Most people look forward to spring or summer. Uh, not that we have seasons in L.A. We really don't. But when I go back home, uh, leaves changing. My birthday oh, yeah. is in September. It's, oh, it's, nice. my, fa- it's my favorite time of the year. Um, it's a, it's yeah. Listen, everybody, anticipation is the highest form of pleasure. We're getting close. Enjoy yeah. it. I mean, it's it's essentially here. There's there's no more footballless weeks until after the Super Bowl. So we made it. Take a deep breath, everybody. Pat yourself on the back. It is nearly football season. All right, everybody. Well, that was a great episode for Believe Podcast Network for Chris Lewis for SAG Capital. I'm Sam Maxwell. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.